The scripture reading for this morning is going to be out of Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. Give you a second to get there. Again, that's Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belongings to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not this man who had made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And he has not come here for this purpose, but to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Adrian was making fun of me hitting water up here earlier. This, um, I'm going to need it, I think. I've already, I've already been sweating. I'm not even up here yet. Um, thank you, Michael, for your testimony, um, sharing God's grace. We had a, a song we sang earlier, where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Now, every time I get up here, they're asking for a sermon title, and I always forget about it. And I have to think of one. Last time Phil asked me about it, and then uh, this time uh, Morgan did. Um, It's a common practice for sermons to be titled. I'm not a pastor, though, so I don't typically do that, but that's that's a common thing. So uh, I came up with one for today, is sharing the grace you've received. It's about testimony. It's about sharing your testimony, sharing the grace you've received. If you're a believer, you have received grace from the Lord. Even if you're an unbeliever, 
you've received grace from the Lord. But a testimony um, that we're talking about is for, is for believers, those whose faith is in Christ, those who have, have recognized their sin, repented, and by faith turned to Christ and received the, the grace and mercy that, he, that he's provided for us at the cross. Um, so I consider the testimonies that, that would be spoken today. I know John was not feeling well, but just that, um, man, the grace that we've received, being able to share that with others. We've already heard about the Lord's grace from Michael's testimony and, and how, not that she deserved it, she didn't deserve the grace she received, but, but she received it. We, we've heard about, about the, how the Lord provided that uh, to her. His grace, he was merciful. He brought her to repentance and faith. It was the grace of the Lord that she told you about. And, and all those things she was talking about, it's the grace of the Lord getting her through it, even her bringing her through the difficult things, bringing her to the difficult things is the grace of the Lord. But bringing, those, bringing her through that um, is, is the Lord's grace. Webster defines a testimony as a formal written or spoken statement, a public recounting of a religious con conversion or experience, a solemn protest or declaration, and sincere or honest. It's, it's sharing the truth about how things are in your experience in those things. Michael shared truth with us about her difficulties, how she had these plans, but those plans weren't the Lord's plans. How she had these dreams even to serve the Lord, but that wasn't even the Lord's plan in that manner. It would be to serve him differently. Many of us may have different dreams and plans that, that haven't come to fruition the way we wanted them to, uh, but the Lord is working out his grace in our life, and, and that's a part of our testimony. We, uh, Jake read through um, Acts 9. <coughs> Sorry. And that's uh, Luke's account of, of Paul's uh, conversion. We're going to be in Acts chapter 22 today for the text I'm going to cover. This is Paul giving his testimony before others. Uh, he's not sharing the gospel at this point, um, but he is, he's explaining where he was before. He's explaining his conversion. He's explaining, to some degree, the things that happened after that. So th we're going to look at that text today as we go through it. Uh, but before we get there, um, you know, we, if you're a believer, you have a testimony. It doesn't mean that it's all going to look the same. Some of you and, and I were raised in church, but that doesn't mean that you're saved. That's a part of your history before Christ. That's a part of, of your testimony. But that, that's something that we talk about, but that's not something that we um, focus on primarily. Our testimony is a tool in the Lord's hand. It's, it's able to open doors for us as we speak with others, to, to share the good news with them. We, not be able, we may not be able to share the good news at that time, but it's an opportunity for us to open the door for the, to the Lord's goodness and to glorify the Lord and how He has worked in our life. Some people were raised in church. Some people were not. Some of you may not have been raised in church. Maybe your life was difficult for a long time. Maybe you were saved early. No matter what start we have, no matter where we begin, the important thing is that the Lord has, has opened our eyes to his, his great salvation. He's revealed sin in our life, and we've repented of that sin, and by faith we've turned to him, resting all of our hope, all of our um, confidence on what he's done on the cross. 
And that's our, our conversion. And from then on, we continue on with our life with Christ. The way we get saved is by faith and, and trust in Christ, and repentance of our sins. The way we continue in our salvation, the way we progress as we're, we're living our life with Christ is the same way we're still repenting of our sins. We're still continuing to trust in Christ. We're still having faith in Him. That The point of salvation and the life of salvation afterward, there's not, not any difference. That's, that's the continued life of a Christian. Because once we get saved, doesn't mean sin's gone. We should sin less, sure. But sin is still there. This desire is to have us. We have to, to fight against it. We have to rely on the Lord. We're trusting the Lord as we go through those things. And even that is a part of our testimony. We can have a testimony to others, not just about our salvation experience, but about the things we're going through in life today. I'm dealing with this sin, or I've dealt with this sin, and the Lord did this in my life, and He was able to help me quit doing that sin. I'm dealing with anger. I'm dealing with porn. I'm dealing with um, stealing, maybe for some folks. Maybe it's stealing from, from the government. These things can still creep in our lives, but our testimony is the Lord is working those things to get, out, get them out of our life and to make us more into the image of Christ. Um, as we consider Paul and, uh, and how he deals with folks, it's, it's a reminder similar to, to how Daniel dealt with folks. Paul gave us some instructions on how to, um, how to address people. Before we get there, let's talk about Peter, how he, says, <laughs> how he said we should deal with folks. In 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16, it says, Peter instructs the exiled believers to, as always, be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a, a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Always be prepared to make a defense. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about sharing the truth of Christ and and. Uh, scripture and, and backing that up. But that's a part of our testimony as well. Being prepared to give a defense for what? To anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. What is the reason for our hope? It's the gospel. It's the good news that what, of what Christ has done. My hope is not in that I can attain it myself. That's not, I don't hope that. I know I can't do that. My hope is not that I'm going to be better than this other person. That's not going to accomplish anything for me. My hope is only in Christ and in his testimony of who he is. Not even in, in what I say he is. It's what Scripture says he is and what he, who he says he is and who the Father says he is. That's where my hope is found. Not in my ability to believe as strong as I hope I can. No, but, but, but my hope is based in Scripture and who he says he is. Amen. But there's a reason for the hope that we have. We're able... We're, to be prepared to share why we have that hope. It's because of Christ. It's because of the, the good news of Him. The hope lies within the believer. Uh, that's the good news of Jesus. Um, he took on flesh. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross as an atonement for sin. He was buried, rose again, according to the Scriptures, for our justification. Uh, that's the reason for our hope. The so way we work on sharing that hope with others is through our testimony. Uh, looking for opportunities to weave the gospel into that conversation. We may not always have the opportunity to, to share the full gospel, but we're looking for opportunities. We're looking for opportunities to relate our story to someone else's story. 
so that we can have that connection and, and share that the hope is, is in Christ so that others can realize, realize that hope as well. Uh, as we looked at the text Jake read, that's around A.D. 34 at Paul's conversion. Um, not too long after to Christ was crucified, um, buried and raised again, uh, but it's, it's A.D. 34. And the text we're going to look at uh, is around A.D. 57, so it's nearly 23 years later. It's not the beginning of Paul's ministry. It's toward the end of his ministry, after his third missionary journey. So, so as he's... He's already gone through a lot of beatings and, and difficulties at this point. And I'll, I'll read some of those later, but it's, um, this isn't the very beginning of his journey, just to, to give you the context of where we are in this. Uh, in Acts 21, Agabus, a, a prophet, came to Paul and told him that his, he took Paul's belt, tied his hands and feet, and he said, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. They're going to tie you up and, and take you to uh, the Gentiles. And so Paul's friend said, don't go to Jerusalem. But Paul was determined to, to go to Jerusalem. And he said he's even willing to be beaten and to die there if that's uh, what the Lord's will is. So uh, as, we, as we get to Acts 22, let's start in the, in the last verse of Acts, 20, Acts 21. Let's notice how he addresses uh, the people. Uh, not as a foe, but as brothers and fathers. If you're, if you're giving your testimony to someone, it's not maybe the wisest thing to, to be uh, antagonistic against them right from the start. It's not, it's not a good to create an enemy as you're giving your testimony. It's, you want to, them to listen to you. You want them to see that there's a difference in your life, not that uh, I want to make them discredit anything I'm saying because I'm, I'm in opposition to them. So Paul, as he gives his um, introduction to them, he's, he's gentle he is um, given his own guidance as he's uh, given them his testimony. Uh, before we get to that verse, let's look at Colossians 4, 5, and 6. It'll be on the screen up here. Paul said to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer one another. And in 1 Corinthians, he said, And I, brethren... When I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing, uh, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This was Paul's typical... Um, approach as he dealt with folks. It wasn't a strong and boastful approach all the time, but it was in humility and weakness. It says in, to walk in wisdom. But also in, in 1 Corinthians it said, I didn't come with the excellence of speech or wisdom. It's not a contradictory statement there. Walking in wisdom is not approaching someone with an air that I'm wiser than you are. It's Walking in wisdom is walking humbly. It's walking with gentleness. It's, it's being humble as you approach folks and, and, and talk to them about, especially about the Lord. Because we're in no, no special place because of anything we've done. We're uh, only there because of the Lord has, has provided those things for us. So in uh, chapter... Uh, 1, verse 40, 
It says this in Acts 21, verse 40. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, and he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. So what's happened, he, he has come into the city, and the folks have said he has, he's brought a, a Gentile into the temple. So they cast him out of the temple, closed the doors, and started beating him. It, it rose such a great tumult in the uh, in the city of Jerusalem, that the um, the guy who was in charge of the centurions grabbed a bunch of soldiers, went down there and grabbed him and arrested him to, to get him out of the situation and took him back to the barracks. It, it got so bad, even the folks that were trying to, to kill him there were trying to get him when the soldiers still had him. So they had to carry him through the crowd back to the barracks. And as they were going up the barracks, Paul asked to speak to the, to the guy in charge and, and said, can I speak to you? He asked if he could speak to the people. And this is him speaking to the people. He's, he said, I want to speak to them. And this is him speaking to them. Verse 2, and when they heard he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet and said, I am, he said, I am a Jew born of Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of, your, of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, and the high priest, as the high priest and whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received, the letters, I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them back in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. So he's given them his history, where he's... Where he, how he was raised, uh, the strict um, pharisaical teachings that he, he was under, under Gamaliel. And he says, even as all of you are this day, he was zealous. How zealous was he? He was there when Stephen was stoned. He was there holding the, the coats there. He was there. He got letters to go find other people who were part of the way, the Christians, those who follow Christ, and to bring them back to Jerusalem to, to, to be punished. So he was he even mentioned, as all of you are to this day. Paul's relating to them. He's relating that he is one of them, really. But something's happened. Something's different than it was before. This, this is how he was. This is his credentials. These are the things that he um, uh, probably could be praised for or would be praised for. And there's another, there's another text where he talks about all these things, born on the eighth day, of the, a Jew of the Jew, all these things that he says are are great things he considers dung. That's, that's nothing, but only knowing Christ is, is what's important. So he's given him the before, before his salvation. This is who I was. This is who, this is the things I did. He's, he's pointing out his heritage and relating to them. His education was strict as pharisaical teaching under Gamaliel. His zeal was against the way, uh, those who follow Christ, uh, persecuted to death. Um, is he proud of these things? Is that why he's saying it? Because he's proud of them? No. There's some things that, that Michael mentioned, not because he's proud of them. It's just kind of how, because that's how things were. That's how things are. Uh, that, that's, how, that's how I was. Maybe it was sin. Maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe it's just how things were. So it's not being proud of that thing. Is he proud of being involved in Stephen's death? No, I don't think he's proud of that. He's not, not proud of that. He's, he knows that was wrong. Um, he's identifying with his audience in regard to his heritage, um, but to a higher degree, even his zeal, uh, in hopes that he may win some to Christ. He recognized the foolishness and sinfulness of the sin. In a similar manner, we can identify with Paul in this situation in our, in our 
testimony. When we think about your life before Christ, you think about the sins you're involved in, you may tell people about that, but it's not something we glory in, right? We don't, when we give our testimony, we don't focus so much on the sins we were involved with before Christ. Or even the sins we're involved with now. We mention those things. Not that we mention all of them, but we mention those things to recognize that we're not worthy of salvation. To recognize that I'm like you. I need a salvation too. Even if we were raised in church, we recognize that my raising in church is nothing. It doesn't matter if I was raised in church because I, I need salvation too. It may be even more difficult because I'm raised in church. I may think that I'm saved just because I've been in church. So it's not our past that we're identifying to glory in. We're recognizing those things in our past. Confessing sins, recognizing those things are, are of nothing. Um, and to identify with, with those that we're, we're sharing testimony with. He recognizes the foolishness and sinfulness of that sin. Uh, in our testimony, we can acknowledge our sins in the past, but we don't want to glorify these things. We don't want to, um, to make that thing the highlighted part of our testimony. The highlighted part of our testimony is Christ. Christ's work that changed our life and our, and our life after that since Christ. Um, on a side note, there's a thing that Shane tried to get me to memorize multiple times. Brian always had it memorized. It's the three circles example. It's a great, a great example of, of being able to, um, I think, relate to people. Everybody knows there's brokenness in the world. Everybody understands the world's broken. Everybody understands to some degree that they're broken. Right? We want to relate to folks. That's a great thing to memorize. I'll, I'll plug that. I need to memorize it still. Um, but it's, it's, if you haven't heard it, it's, there's YouTube videos you can, can watch. It's a great way to point out that, man, the, the world is broken, and it's not going to be made right except for by Christ. That's the only way things can be made right. Uh, in verses 6 through 15, we see Paul's conversion. Uh, how he came to know Christ and, and um, the, the details around that. Verse 6, As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, who you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not understand. The voice of the one who was did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And he said to me, Rise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed to you to do. And since I would, could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand of the, by those who were with me and came to Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that... And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. You will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Uh, Paul saw a light that day. Uh, others saw a light. Nobody, nobody understood the, the voice except Paul. He was enlightened to the truth that day, kind of a way to think about it. 
many people hear the call of the gospel, uh, but the scales don't fall from everyone's eyes like they, they fell from Paul's when he received his sight. As the Lord, just like the Lord said, let there be light, and there was light in day the, in light, the day one of creation. In our heart, in our spirit, the Lord says, let there be light, and he reveals the truth of who he is to us. It's the same type of miracle. The Lord is revealing it to us. It's not something that you can, can see on your own. It's something that the Lord does. The Lord's working in your life if you're able to see uh, the truth of him. Uh, but uh, there are people are deceiving themselves, and there's deceiver in the world. Um, we don't know who, the, who are the deceived, though, right? So our, our role is to share the gospel. Our, our role, a part of that is our testimony, to share the truth of what the Lord's done in our life, but to share the good news of the gospel so that the Lord uh, may save those who will be saved. I don't know who they'll be. You don't know who they'll be. Maybe someone in here. Maybe you think you're saved, but you're not. Maybe you've been raised in church since you were little, but maybe you're still blinded to the truth. Pray that the Lord opens your eyes if that's, if that's the case. Uh, he recognized, Paul recognized Jesus for who he really was. He knew of Jesus before. He had heard of him. He persecuted him. But he didn't recognize him for who he was. He was a figure. He was a person that he, that he had heard of and was persecuting. But it wasn't until this point where he recognized the Lord is the Lord. He is, he is God. Uh, he was enlightened to the truth. He also obeyed the Lord. At our point of salvation... We're enlightened to the truth. We repent of our sins, and by faith we put, in, put our faith in Christ. We understand who Christ is, and at that point we start obeying Christ. We start yielding our life to Him. Do we do it perfectly? No. We're still babies. We're still immature. We're still growing. Uh, but that's the point of our, of our new life. And then we continue on in our life that way by still... Um, drawing near to Him and, and repenting of our sin and drawing to Him. Uh, Paul isn't presenting the gospel here. He's just sharing his story, sharing his story about his conversion, how the Lord had called him to Himself. He's sharing his story. Uh, for you, maybe your faith came when the pastor was preaching the gospel in the church. Uh, maybe you understood your sin, repented, and put your trust in Christ. Uh, maybe it was a friend sharing the gospel with you and you believed. Or maybe a parent Maybe the Lord revealed himself to you through reading of his word. Uh, maybe it wasn't as quickly occurring as Paul's did, as Paul's happened. It may not be that you were, like Shane remembers coming down Beaver Road, and there's a, there's a moment he remembers. It may not be that for you, and that's fine. It may be a, a progression that the Lord has revealed himself, revealed himself, and you, you have eventually, Lord, I believe it's, I repent, I trust who you are. Uh, so so our, our testimonies may be different in that sense. But there's going to be a before and an after. Uh, we're not born saved. We're not born a, a, a baby as a believer. Um, maybe it was over weeks or months that the Lord was pricking your heart, convicting you of sin, producing you in godly sorrow over that sin against the Lord. This part of your testimony signifies the Lord's work in your life and how he brought you to himself. We don't want to overlook the Lord's work in our life, in our testimony. And even on here, that's the only part I've highlighted. That's what we want to highlight, the Lord's work in our testimony, 
not, not our sinfulness. We don't want to highlight that. We mention where we, the truth about where we were, but the highlight is what Christ has done, what Christ has done in our life and who he is. Um, uh, in verse, verses 17 through 21, uh, we see the, the sense conversion, the part of Paul's testimony, things that happened after his conversion. In verse 17, um, his new life is now a relationship with Christ, not a pharisaical religious activity. Uh, verse 17, When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. Uh, and this, was, this happened uh, in Acts 9, uh, in, in, around A.D. 37. So this, was, this is not the same time of his conversion. This is a few years later, but this is not happening at the same time we're talking about now where Paul's giving his testimony. This is 20 years before. So Paul's 20 years removed telling people what happened 20 years ago. This is where he was in the, when he saw Christ uh, giving, him, giving them this um, instruction. Verse 18, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, myself, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away from the Gentiles. This is the Lord telling Paul that you're, you're going to be a minister to the Gentiles. You're not going to be a minister here to the Jews. You're going to go to the far reaches of the world, and, and it's open to the Gentiles. Um, in this text, we don't have all the details of, of Paul's life after conversion. At this point, most of the details about Paul's life after conversion come, come before this point because he's already on his missionary trips. Uh, some things about Paul's uh, experiences because of the Lord's call in his life. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, 24, it says, Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent adrift at sea. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers from in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers. And I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. So we see Paul's call was not a life of, of luxury, and ease. If he stayed a Pharisee, it might have been, but that would have negated his final destination of heaven, which is in glory of Christ, and, and those things are all made right there. So Paul's life um, and his call, at this point, if we get to the, to the next verse, we'll see that at this point, they said, Let's, they don't want to hear him anymore. They want to kill him. They don't want to, to hear Paul talking about this anymore because he's, he's kind of saying that this has been open to the Gentiles. When we look at 19 and 20, though, uh, there's a couple different ways. I've looked at this. I don't know what's the right way to, to read this. It, either way, it doesn't matter. Um, there's a right way to understand it, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the point that, that Paul's call was to be away, away from the Jews and to the Gentiles. In verse 19, it says, And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And... Th- when the blood of Stephen, your, your witness, was being shed, myself, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. It's like he's debating with the Lord what he's going to do. Lord, I don't, I'm not sure because 
if he's talking about the Gentiles, they, the Gentiles, know that I've been attacking the, the believers. Those who, not the Gentiles, those who are, who are believers that I'm supposed to be going to minister to, that I've been attacking believers. Why would they welcome me into their group? But if he's talking about the Jews, the Jews, why would they reject me? Because I've been, been doing these things, the same thing they've been doing. So I'm not sure exactly what Paul is saying here and how he is addressing that, but I know that regardless, his call is to, to go to the Gentiles. Part of his testimony was to, to go to the Gentiles. And so that's, that's the, the role he's to fulfill, to go to the Gentiles. Before, he was a religious, high, high and mighty guy as a pharisaical um, a sect. He got saved, and that, that part of his life was gone, and his, his new life was, was changed to go to a different direction. The Lord was calling to, to ministry uh, for himself. In our life, there, as we consider the, the part before Christ, that, that's not the most important part. It doesn't matter how we start. The important part is that the Lord has saved us and that we are continuing with the Lord. We don't look back at our point of salvation and say, it doesn't matter what happens after that. As a believer, it does matter what happens after that. There's no reason to think your hope is in that salvation if you're not daily trusting the Lord. If you're not trusting the Lord now, maybe you didn't trust in the Lord before. Our trust is a continual thing in the Lord. It's not something that happens in the past and we just rely on that. There is one saved, always saved, but our security is not in my decision or that I walk down an aisle. My security is in what the Lord's done and how He has wrought that change in my life and His salvation through that. Uh, again, when it comes to our testimony, it's not just about our salvation. We should be thinking about things that ways we can communicate with folks to share the gospel as well. I know when I, when I drove Uber, I was able to share often. That was a good, good practice for me to, to share with those that were kind of stuck in the car with me, uh, to relate life experiences, to talk about Christ, and to, to turn that conversation to Christ and, and His salvation through Christ. Um, we, we have those opportunities in our life now. We don't take opportunities enough to to speak, though. So in closing, I want to encourage us to, uh, to take those opportunities to share a gospel, to uh, maybe to write it down, try to figure out a three to five minute way to share, share your testimony, um, but also to consider how can we put the gospel in that. There's no salvation apart from the gospel. Nobody's going to hear your testimony if the gospel's not in it and be saved. The salvation is through the gospel and, and the hearing of the gospel. It may be that some of you today don't have a testimony. Maybe your testimony is, I've been in church my whole life, and that's about it. There's no, no thought of repentance of sin. There's no conviction. There's no turning away from sin and toward Christ. Um, consider that. You can have a testimony too. Um, it's based on Christ, though. It's not based on just the things we've done in the past. It's not based on our accomplishments or our sins. Both of those things can be part of your old testimony. But it's based on Christ and what He's done at the cross, not, um, not what we've done wrong, 
what we've done right, but what Christ has done. He lived a life, a perfect, sinless life, which is required to see, to see God. He lived that life on our behalf, died on the cross, perfect death, a perfect sacrifice for us. And at the cross, His sin cover, His righteousness covers our sin, and our sin was put on Him, and it was done away with for those who are believers. But for those who are unbelievers, the sin remains. That sin is still there. That, that weight is pressing down and piling up from day to day as we sin and sin more for those who are not saved. It can be relieved in an instant at the cross. I'll pray to close us out. Uh, we, won't, we won't sing a song as we, as we leave, but just I'll pray and close us out. If, if you have not considered Christ, if you consider your life and your testimony, if you don't, don't have a testimony, um, that can change. You can come see me. You can come see many folks here. I'll be here for a while if you want to see me and, and we can talk about it, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for Christ. Without him, we wouldn't have a testimony. Without him, we wouldn't have life. We would have no hope. And Father, we would be uh, still covered by sin. Father, I thank you for Christ and what he's done on the cross. We thank you for uh, Paul's uh, testimony and, and how it relates to us and how we had our scales removed from our eyes and were able to see the truth of Christ's uh, sacrifice and his holiness and righteousness compared to our sin. Pray, Father, that you will help us to uh, consider how we can offer this hope to others, how we can um, spur one another on to, to good works, Father, and how we can, uh, can share the love of Christ with others in our homes, Father, at work, um, wherever we are. Help us to, to honor you above all. Christ, let me pray. Amen.